Welcome to CC Partners, the employer's choice. We provide expert legal and strategic advice in all areas of labor and employment law. By working closely with our clients, our experienced team delivers pragmatic, proactive solutions, resolving many issues before they escalate. Get to know us better at ccpartners.ca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Lawyers for Employers podcast. My name is Christina Tomayino. I'm currently a student here at CC Partners, but soon to be one of your Lawyers for Employers. I'm joined today by two of our partners, Susan Crawford and Mike McClellan. And as promised, we will be discussing the Making Ontario Open for Business Act, commonly known as Bill 47. As many of our listeners are likely well aware, Bill 47 is set to repeal many of the changes introduced by the Liberal government in Bill 148, the Fair Workplaces Better Jobs Act. Bill 47 was passed by the Ontario government on November 21, 2018, and received royal assent that same day. In today's episode, Susan and Mike are going to walk us through the highlights of these changes and give us some key takeaways for employers in this changing landscape of labor and employment law. We've also prepared a comprehensive summary of the legislation, which is available on our website at www.ccpartners.ca. Welcome, Mike and Susan. I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on these issues, and I'm sure our employer listeners are as well. Thank you, Christina. Thanks, Christina. To start off, there have been a number of significant legislative changes with respect to labor and employment law in Ontario, first with Bill 148 and now Bill 47. In your experience, what has been the impact of these changes, and do you think that the new legislation is good or bad news? Thanks, Christina. Bill 148 presented a real challenge to our employer clients. It placed a lot of extra obligations and responsibilities on them that did not exist before. And a lot of people really thought it was just too much too fast, especially when you look at a raise in minimum wage by about 32% to take effect in only 18 months. So the repeal of Bill 148 and the replacement of those provisions under Bill 140 or sorry under Bill 47 are definitely a welcome step. I would agree with Mike's comments. I think that employers were quite challenged with a lot of the legislative requirements under Bill 148 particularly with the minimum wage but also the equal work for equal pay uh, for temporary and part-time employees uh, as well as some of the enhanced leave protections. So I think that from an employer perspective, certainly, Bill 47 is a welcome change and signifies, in our view, a change in the government's position on supporting business in Ontario. Susan, I know you practice primarily in the employment sphere. Can you tell us about some of the key changes to the Employment Standards Act that our employer listeners can expect? Absolutely, Christina. So most of Bill 148 was repealed with Bill 47. There were a few things that remained, but let me just talk first about what some of the changes are. Perhaps most significantly and also most controversial uh, about Bill 148 was the minimum wage increases. Uh, Not only the initial increase at the beginning of 2018, but also the projected increases that were going to come into effect. All of those increases that were going to start in uh, 2019 have now been repealed. So the current minimum wage Uh, will remain in effect until 2020. Another area where employers were struggling, particularly smaller employers, was the 
personal emergency leave provisions, which required all employers to provide eight unpaid leave days and two paid leave days. So under the new legislation, there will be no obligation to provide paid leave, although many employers will already have paid leave provisions in some of their policies. And rather than the 10 personal emergency leave days, there will now be eight unpaid days, three of which will be for sick leave, three for family responsibility leave, and two unpaid days for bereavement leave. So Susan, now that the legislation has passed, does that mean employers can stop providing paid emergency leave days? No, the legislation was passed, but does not actually come into force until January 1, 2019. So it's really important for employers to maintain the current Bill 148 obligations that are in place, particularly where personal emergency leave is concerned because those are job-protected leave days, and a failure to provide those could end up with a trip to the Labour Board for a violation of the Employment Standards Act. So keep those, we call them PEL days, keep them in place until the beginning of the year, and then any changes to meet the new leave provisions should be brought into force in your workplaces on January 1. Getting back to some of the changes, medical notes have been brought back as being a requirement should an employer request them during these uh, new leave provisions. Even though employers were still entitled to ask for medical notes under Bill 148, employees were not required to provide them. Uh, So this has changed. The equal pay for equal work as it relates to temporary and part-time employees has been repealed. Equal work for equal pay will still remain in effect as it relates to male and females in the same job class. But those other obligations, which were quite onerous for certain employers, are no longer in play. All of the scheduling uh, changes that were to come into effect on January 1, 2019 will not be coming into effect. That's good news for employers, particularly in the retail and uh, food services industries. They were considered to be very onerous scheduling obligations, which would have created quite a bit more restriction in terms of organizing workplaces in those specific areas. So the, the scheduling provisions that employers were avoiding and dreading are not going to come into being. What has been maintained is the three weeks of vacation pay after five years. The domestic violence leave has remained in place for all employees and employers. And the enhanced parental leave entitlement, uh, which corresponds now with the enhanced employment insurance benefits, will remain in force. But that's basically the summary in terms of the Employment Standards Act legislation. Turning now to unionized workplaces, Mike, what would you say are the key changes to the Labor Relations Act? Well, there's a number of key changes. The first is that under Bill 148, the Ontario Labor Relations Board had the authority to order an employer to turn over a list of its employees with contact information to a union so long as a union could establish that it had, at minimum, 20% employee support. Uh, Let's be very clear, this was a change made to the Labor Relations Act to make it easier for unions to organize and become the certified bargaining agent in a workplace, which is different from being a benefit for the uh, employees. But at any rate, Bill Bill 47 has thankfully repealed this provision and any outstanding applications for these employee lists are terminated 
and any existing employee lists need to be destroyed. So what this means is that unions will once again have to organize without the mandatory help from employers. And also for our employer listeners, keep in mind that the Labor Relations Act says in it quite clearly, there is no right of a union to be able to solicit workers during work time. This kind of goes hand in hand with another set of provisions that were repealed by Bill 47, which is with respect to card-based certification. Under Bill 148, certain industries were now able to be certified as bargaining units uh, through the use of signed cards, uh, cards signifying support for a union. Those were building services, home care and community services, and temporary help agencies, in addition to what was existing before, which was the construction industry. Uh, Luckily, Bill 47 has repealed those new provisions, and once again, the only industry in which a union in Ontario can become certified through the use of union cards is the construction industry. So this is a step in the right direction, but many people think it doesn't go far enough. The whole purpose of card-based certification is for unions to get their bargaining rights in an undemocratic fashion. There is no vote where each employee in the bargaining unit gets their say on whether they want to be represented. Rather, the union just has to establish that on their application date, they had support of 55% of the workforce. So when you look at what was happening under Bill 148, when unions would have had the right to an employee list, they would have had to submit support of 20% of the employees, get a list of employees and their contact information, solicit only another 35% of the employees, and they could become the bargaining agent without the support or even knowledge of the other 45% of employees. A lot of people would prefer that there be a transparent and democratic process for certifying a union as bargaining agent, but it doesn't look like we're going to get there uh, entirely. So Mike, when you say a democratic process, you're referring to a vote for the employees? Yeah, that's right. A secret ballot vote where all employees in a bargaining unit have a say in whether they want to be represented by a union or not, as opposed to the card-based process where 45% of the employees could be unaware that a union is even trying to get bargaining rights, and yet the union would still be successful. And another problem, when not all employees in the workplace are being consulted or advised, is that the process can be open to manipulation by a a union seeking to gain bargaining rights. And so under Bill 47, then, it's only the construction industry in Ontario now that still has the card-based certification. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. And the justification behind that is that the construction industry is so transient that a lot of people don't remain in the same workplace over a long period of time. But again, what we hear anecdotally from certain employees is that they didn't know what they were signing when they were signing a card, or they had the day off so they didn't get a, a... they didn't have a chance to be represented in an application for certification. Out of fairness to all employees, that's why so many of us would prefer there to be a representation vote system in all industries in Ontario. 
And speaking of certification, another aspect of Bill 47 is to revert back to what was the normal language in respect of what is called remedial certification. Remedial certification is meant to be an extraordinary remedy that the Labor Board has as a power where there has been some employer interference in union organizing such that the true intent and true interest of employees can no longer be uh, determined even through a vote. In that case, the Labor Board has the power as a remedy to grant certification to a union even without proof of support and without a vote. What Bill 148 did was remove the language making this an extraordinary remedy and instead making it a presumptive remedy in the case of employer or alleged employer interference. Well, fortunately, again, Bill 47 has reverted to the previous language stating that remedial certification is only available where no other remedy would be sufficient. Finally, the major change to the Labor Relations Act includes with respect to first collective agreement arbitration. So when a union is certified, both employer and union have to make best efforts to settle a collective agreement through the bargaining process. Now under the former Bill 148, either party could apply to take part in a mediation arbitration process, uh, which would then preclude an application by a different union to displace the incumbent and it would also preclude an application by employees to terminate bargaining rights of the union. Well, again, Bill 47 repealed those changes and reinstated the previous first agreement arbitration process, which says that the Labor Board will refer the parties to binding arbitration for to settle their first collective agreement only where the employer is refusing to recognize the bargaining authority of the union or either party is taking an unreasonable and unjustified position in bargaining, or either party is failing to make reasonable efforts to conclude an agreement, or else the Labor Board considers it appropriate in all the circumstances. And once again, an application either to displace the incumbent union by another, or an application by employees to terminate bargaining rights of the union will put a stay on the arbitration process. So again, and more rationally, there will be a process in place to determine whether the union even has bargaining rights before requiring the parties to be bound by a contract through the arbitration process. Now, when it comes to first agreement arbitration provisions, there are some transition rules to be aware of. If the board has already directed the parties to first agreement mediation arbitration under Bill 148, that process must go ahead. However, if the parties were in first agreement mediation only, which was a different process, that mediation must end immediately. And finally, any application that was made for a first agreement arbitration but was not yet determined by the Labor Board will continue under the new provisions, which in effect were the pre-Bill 148 provisions. How should employers be responding to the changes made by Bill 47? So, Christina, the, I think the biggest thing that employers have to be aware of is that any policies that were changed or amended to conform with Bill 148 will now have to be reviewed again in order to make sure that the new leave provisions and some of the other changes 
of Bill 47 are reflective in those policies and procedures. So it's been a big year for employers, but in order to make sure that you're complying with the new legislation, those policies will have to be reviewed again uh, with a view to making sure they are compliant with the new obligations under Bill 47. In many cases, I think the employer's previous or pre-Bill 148 policies will probably be enough, but they should make sure that they're reviewing those in order to avoid having a determination that they, in fact, have to make double payments because their policies do not actually refer to the employment standards leave provisions. And that's something that we're always cautioning our employer clients against. I think it's really important for employers to do their research and understand what their rights and obligations are. Fortunately, there are some resources available to employers to understand what the changes in the law are and to give them some guidance on what it means for their businesses. One more issue for employers to consider and something that certainly I've been having discussions with some of my clients about is whether or not from a morale standpoint it makes sense to revert back to pre-Bill 148. Uh, Some of our clients are taking the position that they want to be more progressive employers and so they will be Uh, maintaining some of the obligations under Bill 148 in the form of a greater rider benefit. And they view this as part of their obligation to be a responsible corporate citizen. It's certainly not something that's legally required, but something that I think employers should take into consideration before they sort of slash and burn Bill 148 out of their workplaces. So, Susan, it sounds like now would be a great time for employers to be looking at their policies. We also have the new changes with respect to cannabis. So if you're already looking at the Bill 47 policies, perhaps take a look at your drug and alcohol policies as we head into the holiday parties. As Mike mentioned, resources are available on these topics and many more. We blog weekly here at CC Partners, and you can find that again on our website at www.ccpartners.ca. So thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers for Employers. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We do release weekly blogs and the occasional podcast. And remember to use our hashtag AskCCPartners for any of your labor and employment questions, although, of course, we can't provide legal advice. Thanks again for listening, and thank you to Mike and Susan for sharing their expertise with us. You're welcome. Thank you, Christina. You're very welcome, Christina. Until next time, that's been the Lawyers for Employers podcast.